you have your Bibles, you can turn to the uh, scripture that is shown on your screen and that uh, we did hear this morning from the message. Um, just another shout out, a commercial, as Major Murphy likes to say. She wouldn't say this, but there is a great article about her home core. Huntington West is Huntington, correct? So uh, in this, in this um, article, it was of a single female officer that's been there for like six years and has really just recreated the, the Army's presence there in that community. So lots of good things that go on. Uh, even in our own command here. John chapter 1. Now, I have not lost it. I know you've heard Christmas carols. I know that you, uh, you're you probably wondering, just because we got a little cold air doesn't mean you need to put up the Christmas tree. But... I'll tell you why later on why I wanted to talk about this, what you would call this Christmas message. So let's look at the scripture for us. A very short scripture that we're going to, uh, to look at. John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and then verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And then verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now I looked around and I looked in all of my uh, O&R for officers, I looked at the minute book, I looked at the scriptures, and there's nothing that says that I am not allowed to talk about Christmas any time of the year. And the reason why I share that with you this morning is because we sometimes only talk about Christ's coming one time in the year. We're just as guilty as only talking about His resurrection one time in the year. And yet that those two events in history... Uh, is, is the foundation of our existence. And unfortunately, you know, we just, because we're humans and we do this, we uh, compartmentalize and say, well, you know, we only talk about the Advent season during that time of the year, right? But we need to be reminded every day that God is with us. Amen? We need to be reminded that Jesus came... For you and I. He came to die. Christmas and Easter are very much connected. And I love it when people say, well, which one is more important? And I like to say, you tell me, what's more important, breathing in or breathing out? They're, they're, they're very much connected. Now, in John, he starts this book. Uh, and and some, something tells me he knew his Old Testament. Because um, Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning. And John says, in the beginning. In the beginning, Genesis 1.1 and 1 says, God created the heavens and the earth. And yet John says that in the beginning, before anything was created, the word, logos, that's what that means. And notice in your Bible, um, 
I hope it is capitalized. Who are we talking about? We are talking about Christ. He is the Word become flesh. Some people have the idea that we worship the Word of God. We don't. But we do worship the Word, the living Word. This Word of God that I hold helps me to know the Word, Logos. It helps me, God's, this Bible is the only book that I know of that describes itself as being living and active. And what it does, it illuminates, it brings to light the Word, Jesus Christ. Jesus is not just in the New Testament. He is in every book in the Bible. He is the Bible. We don't worship the Bible, but we do worship the living Word of the Bible. John wants you and I, as the reader, to understand very clearly that Jesus did come to earth, but he's also always has been. In our doctrines, and uh, I don't, you may not know this, but um, in the back of your songbook, in the very last page, 352, we have what we believe. In every doctrine, all 12, Somebody's listening, all 11. I said that on purpose. All 11 start with we believe, right? And the fourth doctrine, the fourth statement of faith for all salvationists says this. We believe that in the person of Jesus Christ, the divine and human natures are united so that he is truly and properly God and truly and properly man. That's what we're talking about this morning. We call it the incarnation in the flesh, right? Some people say, is so-and-so here? And he'd say, in the flesh, here I am, right? Jesus came in the flesh. And it's not just something that we should celebrate uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving to Christmas Day. We should celebrate this every day. So in both the first and second verse, you find in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. The second verse, He was in the beginning with God. Christ has always been with God the Father since the beginning as the Word, or as the, the Greek word says, the, the logos. You ever, you ever say, hey, look, look at their logos. Now you know where you get that from. Look at their symbol. Look at their Word. That Word. Christ is continuous in his existence. Now, this can make your head hurt. This is not something this morning for you to understand. This is something for you to believe in faith. Okay? John says, in the beginning was the Word. He was already there. The expression in the beginning now does not refer to the beginning of time or the beginning of some particular process or a like we would use it, a definite localized point in time, uh, but rather the indefinite eternity which preceded all time. Again, this can hurt your head. So don't try to understand it, just accept it by faith. We are talking about the immeasurable past, before time. Christ is there, it was, was there, 
was with God, is God before time began. The Word, Logos, cannot be said to have come into being at any given moment. It just simply says He was with God. And the Word was God. The deity of Jesus Christ, God in man, the God-man. Jesus himself testified to this in John 8, 58. So if you have your Bible in John chapter 1, just flip over a few pages to John 8, 58. And uh, this really got the readers upset. In John 8, 58, uh, Jesus, uh, just to kind of give you a little context, he's discussing with the Pharisees, with the Jews that hated him, that eventually had him killed, who... who was Jesus' true father. And Jesus says to them in verse 58, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Now that should kind of get your brain going because when Moses, let's go all the way back, almost to the beginning, in Exodus, when he's staring there looking at a burning bush, and he says, now who, when they ask, who sent you? What did God say? You tell them, I am sent you. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying before Abraham, I am. I am God. And then when Jesus is praying in John 17, verse 5, he says, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. What does John 1 verse uh, 2 say? He was in the beginning with God. Don't you love how the Bible makes sense? It doesn't contradict itself. Not only is Jesus continuous in his existence, he is constant in his relationship to God the Father. In fact, there's a place where Jesus even says, I and the Father are one. There's no, there, there is no, you know, um, don't you love it when in, in Sunday school and somebody would always say, well, what's the answer to that? And the kids say, God, that's the answer to everything in Sunday school. Or they'd say, Jesus. And you know, I love it when, because we love to make things so technical, we'll say, now, now we're talking about the Old Testament, so we're really talking about God, not Jesus. Eh, you, yeah, you are. Again, you may not fully comprehend it, but we do accept it by faith. He is constant in his relationship to God the Father. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Christ has always and will always have a personal relationship with his Heavenly Father. In fact, there was one time he didn't. And you and I should be on our knees thanking him every day. Because on the cross is the only recorded time that when he spoke to his father, he did not call him father. He said, my God, why have you forsaken me? But outside of that, and he was fulfilling his father's will too by doing that. But let's look at that verse. He was with God. The word with is a preposition meaning literally facing him. Thus, the Word is a person facing God the Father. And what did, Je what did Jesus even say? He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Word with 
where it says he was with God, appears before the word God, which indicates that the first person of the Trinity is meant. He's talking about God, the Father. John is speaking of the fellowship between the Word, the living Word, Jesus Christ, and God, the Father. A fellowship that existed from before the beginning, from all eternity, and will exist to all eternity, and which was never broken except at Calvary. When Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you, excuse me, why have you forsaken me? You know why Jesus said that? Because he was forsaken. It's not just that he was fulfilling scripture. In Hebrews, it says, God will never leave you nor forsake you. And that's true because on the cross, Jesus was forsaken. And because of that, you and I have the promise that in him, we will never be forsaken. Christ has a personal relationship with his father. You know what that means? That means if you have this morning a personal relationship with Christ, you have a personal relationship with God the father. I will be a father to you. 2 Corinthians 6, 18, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. How many of you in here have been adopted? Every one of you, if you're a Christian, should raise your hand. Because as believers, we have been adopted. We used to sing it all the time. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Maybe we're not glad anymore, and that's why we don't sing it. But it says, joint heirs with Jesus as we travel this side. See, when we accept Christ, God becomes our Father. Just as He has always been the Father to Jesus. God wants a relationship with you. That's why He sent Jesus. That's why you celebrate Christmas. That's why you celebrate Easter or the resurrection, however you want to say that. Christ coming to earth as a baby was God's most powerful way of telling human beings that he loves you. In fact, Jesus even said it. He looks over at Nicodemus uh, and he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Right? You know the rest of that. In his book, Loving God, Chuck Colson wrote these words about God's desire for a relationship. And I'm quoting him here. He says, quote, The remarkable promise that God made to Moses, that he would pitch his tent and dwell in the midst of his people, is a central theme throughout Scripture. In the familiar passage of John 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Greek word for dwelt literally means to pitch your tent or pitch a tent. Through Christ, God comes to pitch his tent among his people. You know what the word, there's another word that we see in scripture and we don't use it near as much as we used to, but it's the word tabernacle. That means a dwelling place. Your house is your tabernacle. It's a funny word when you think about it, tabernacle. Sounds funny. Almost sounds like Cracker Barrel. I don't know why I put those two together, but it does to me. But if you look throughout Scripture, starting in the garden, I mean all the way in the beginning, to Revelation, the whole theme, as Colson said, it's true. 
is that God desires to dwell with us. And God sent Christ so that we would accept him as Savior so that eternally we could dwell with him. See, here's the great thing. God dwells with us now through the Holy Spirit. And one day when we're with him, uh, we will dwell with him. We will see him, as the song says, face to face. Through the centuries, as you read, and, and when we're doing our Bible study in Genesis, we're, we're looking at how God chose Abraham to, to bring about uh, his family that we are now grafted into. But the only thing needed to have a close relationship with Christ is your willingness you know, when we were, uh, a couple of us went to the evangelism, evangelism seminar at camp this weekend, and I love how one of the presenters said, here's the thing, he said, God's already forgiven you. It's just we have to accept that forgiveness. Christ has already done all the work. He's just saying, you know what, accept that work. Repent of your sin. When we ask people to come to the altar or we say pray and let's, let's ask God to forgive us, we should be repenting of our sin and he accepts us as his child. John clearly states in verse 12 and 13, if you go back to the first chapter, he says, yet to all who received him, receive his forgiveness today, receive his love, his grace, his mercy, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. See, I told you, you're adopted. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. What did Jesus say to Nicodemus? He said, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven unless you've been what? Born again. And like all of us do, we immediately go to the natural and say, Nicodemus was like, now, Jesus, with all due respect, I can't be born again. I can't go back into my mother's womb and have all that done again. We're always thinking of the natural. The word, when he said born again, it literally meant born from above. That we are born from above. You and I can have the same personal relationship with our Heavenly Father as Christ does today. And here's the glorious thing. If you want to talk about what's the good news, the good news is this, that when you are in Christ right? When you have accepted him as your Lord and Savior, it just simply means, and we use all these big theological terms like justification and all that, and it's important, but all that means is that when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. Amen? Now, if that ain't good news, we need to go home, because if he sees me, I'm in trouble. But the great thing is, and because he sees Christ, he says, you're my child. Jesus, the Word, the Logos, is continuous in His existence. He is constant in His relationship with God the Father. And He is also congruent in His character. Now that word, congruent, can also mean He agrees with. Jesus' character agrees with that of His Father's character. You ever had somebody say to you, or maybe someone, you know what, you're just like your dad. Now, that could be good. That could be horrible. Or you're just like your mom. That's what I say a lot to my daughters, which is actually a good thing uh, most of the time. Um, so he, he agrees with him. You know, there was nothing that Jesus said on earth that 
he disagreed with with his Father in heaven. They were always the same. As John says, the Word was God. There was no uh, difference at all. Not only is Jesus eternal and constant in his relationship, he is God. Again, if you're going home with a headache thinking, man, this is confusing. You know, it's not meant to be confusing. We just accept it by faith. As salvationists, again, and I've, I've read the doctrine, doctrine four, the incarnation. That's the word, incarnal, carnal. It, you know, we, we use that and we say that's bad. You know, don't be carnal. It really just simply means flesh, right? Jesus was incarnate. He became flesh. He became like us. And our doctrine states that they are united. We are not God men and God women. We're, we're, we're carnal. But Jesus was truly and properly God and is truly and properly God and is truly and properly man. He is the God-man. Not God indwelling man. That's what you and I are. God's spirit dwells in our spirit. In fact, Roman, uh, Paul says that his spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. So God indwells us, but we're not God. Some of us think we are. We're not. There have been... Uh, so again, there's, there's not, we are not the God-man or the God-woman, but God indwells us. But for Jesus, God did not indwell him. He was God. Of such, there have been many. Not a man uh, deified. This says, of such, there have been none save in the midst of pagan systems of thought, but God and man combining in one personality the two natures, a perpetual enigma, as you and I would say. How can that be? God and man, it is a mystery. It, it is baffling to the mind. Great. I don't need a God I can understand. I'm in trouble if I can understand God. He's not much of one. Baffling the possibility of explanation. I'm not up here to explain it. You might be saying, well, good, because you've confused me. But we are here to proclaim it. We are here to say, yes, Jesus is God. We can celebrate, we can sing Christmas carols, even if your neighbors think you're insane, on September 25th and not December 25th. It is the 25th, isn't it? Yep. So Jesus possessed and manifested the very nature of God, and he still does today. That is why, friends, we worship him. Because he's worthy. Jesus, the Word, the capital W in John 1, verse 1 and 2, he became human beings. He became like us. And in a few months, or I would dare say even today, as in your heart, you would celebrate Christ. You know, you remember old Scrooge, he finally woke up and realized that he was going to celebrate Christmas every day. Because he was scared to death, right? Uh, in the Christmas carol, we read that those spirits came and said, Hey, buddy, you, basically, you need to straighten up. Greed ain't going to get you anywhere. And he became a changed man, right? Christmas, <clears throat> excuse me, Christmas is not just something that we talk about November and December. We should be living it. 
Christmas and the resurrection go hand in hand. Just like Jesus, the, the God and the man go hand in hand. We should celebrate this, not just this, we even say it wrong. We, we're, we're here to celebrate this time of the year. No. We're here every day that we have breath to celebrate that God loved us so much, even on a cool day in September, that Jesus came for me. That Emmanuel is still something we can say today, not just when the, when the Christmas tree is up. God is with us now. And I know you know that, but sometimes we just put it away, right? Like we do all the Christmas decorations. Hey, all right, what is it? January 3rd or 8th or Epiphany, whatever people say. You got to get those things out of here. My, I've got family members that believe that you are cursed if you don't put that stuff away the day after Christmas. And unfortunately, what happens is we put it away in here. All right, Jesus was born. Let's go watch all the bowl games now. But may we even today admonish and worship the word that is eternal. Constant. He is constant. And even today, he desires a relationship with you. That person you see in the mirror. If you're saved, that person that you see, God doesn't see you. He sees Jesus. So all those times you were scared and, and was told that when you die, God's going to put up some projector like that. And he's going to say, now let's watch all the sins you ever committed. I was told that. Scared me. I guess you could say it scared the hell out of me. Because I thought, oh, geez, I need to be saved. Because I don't need that to happen. But that is not what's going to happen. When we stand before him, we stand under, atoned, under the blood of Jesus. And he will say to you and I, welcome home, son. Welcome home, daughter. And you and I, even in eternity, may say, well, Lord, don't you remember? The Bible already tells us he remembers our sins no more. As far as the east is from the west, you know how far that is? I don't. Because it's basically, it never ends. Now, you know, north and south, I guess it can finally wrap around and come to each other, but east and west just keeps going. And it really, the Bible is saying there, as far as the east is from the west, they will never touch. That's as far as he's removed your transgressions from you. So celebrate Emmanuel today. For many people, spirituality amounts to picking through the artifacts of faith uh, that survived from a long time ago uh, where, where humans saw God or they, they heard His voice or, or they saw a vision and they were terrified. But that was then. Today, those kinds of gripping encounters, we would say with God, uh, that it's, it's not what happens anymore. But I would pray that even today, don't wait till we celebrate that time of the year. I hope today you have a real encounter with the living word. Don't just pick through the artifacts. Don't, don't put Jesus away or don't put Emmanuel, don't put the Christmas story away January through November and then pull it out of your garage and also mentally pull it out and say, okay, now the calendar says it's time to 
remember. No, we should just never forget. The time to prepare our hearts for Emmanuel is now. And tomorrow, and the next day, and every day, so that we actually live as people in this world think we should with joy. You know, I had a corps officer that uh, would sing on Wednesday nights. He would sing at least once a month. It would be 99 degrees in Mississippi. We'd be in the chapel singing joy to the world. The Lord has come. And you know what he would say? You should have joy right now. You shouldn't wait till December. You should have joy right now. We're actually going to sing... Um, and of course, I pull it out. I pull the bullet. But we're just going to sing this chorus. Oh, come, let us adore him. So you have to now mentally put that back in your head because it's September. But oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. Very simple. You probably don't even need the words. I hope you don't. Because that's what we should do every day. We should adore Christ, the incarnate God who came to us, yes, as a baby, and, and we, we worship him, we, we are grateful, but I'm thankful he didn't stay a baby. I'm thankful he grew up, and he died on the cross for me. You know, don't be like, uh, what's his name, in Talladega Nights, who prays to the little baby Jesus, and somebody says, why do you pray to him? And he says, because that's the one I like. See, that's the one the world likes. The world will pause for a few days to worship that little baby. We're not here to worship the little baby. We're here to worship the King of kings and Lord of lords, the one who saved us from ourselves. So let's sing that chorus, and I'd invite you to pray or just worship him as we sing that chorus. Oh.